This program is a paid commercial announcement and in no way represents the views of WPHT or its management. Now on Talk Radio We're going to become extinct. In fact, in some cases, we're close to being extinct right now. Presented by Weinerman Pain and Wellness, serious doctors for serious injuries, and powered by the law offices of Pond, Lee Hockey, Stern, Giordano. Talk, listen, and speak to the region's most influential leaders. It's Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor. And a good Saturday evening, everybody. Around the Delaware Valley, welcome into Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. It's Saturday Night Live with Philly Labors. We come to you from downtown Philadelphia on a good night, uh, the eve of what will be a celebration along the streets of Philadelphia as the St. Patrick's Day Parade. The annual parade uh, will get underway one week away, uh, one week prior uh, to St. Patrick's Day. All of the activity, all of the festivities, all of the celebration, all of the bar hopping, and all of the stuff that goes on on a St. Patrick's Day Parade. Jay Doc will be in full regalia tomorrow. Should be a good time tomorrow in the city of Philadelphia. He certainly, uh, we're, we're, we're doing the St. Patty's Day Parade tomorrow. Streets are lined. Everybody's ready. Ready to go. I'm sure everybody's prepping right now, however they do that. Um, but uh, going to be a great day tomorrow. All right. All good stuff. We're presented by Weinerman Pain and Wellness, serious doctors for serious injuries. We're powered by Pond, Lahaki, Stern, and Giordano. We are driven are fueled by Senesta Hotel, where every month we have our Labor Leader Roundtable, uh, where we bring the top labor leaders together along with some political figures, and we have a good dialogue, and we do that monthly at the Senesta Hotel, uh, and driven by our good friends uh, up at Chapman Ford, uh, up on the Boulevard, Jim Stevenson, as we've mentioned many, many times on this program. Get to know him. He has been serving the union community and the labor community for a lot of time, a long, long time uh, in the automotive business. And we look ahead to the summer of 2018 as Great Adventure returns uh, to sponsor Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor. This year, Jay Doc, a little twist. We're going to go live uh, and Hmm. do one of our Saturday Night Live broadcasts from Great Adventure. Should be good stuff. Oh, it'll be great. We're going to be doing it from the Ferris wheel. (laughs) So it's going to, and by the way, Great Adventure is a uh, union theme park. It's uh, the great place to be, and we're looking forward to being there. We welcome Laura Wentz into the studio, the president of Philly Clue. She'll be with us uh, for the hour uh, today, sitting in, contributing, and uh, being a part of Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor. Hello, Laura. How are you? I'm great. How are you guys doing? It's awesome to be here. Yeah, nice to have you back. You haven't been in the studio for a little bit, so yeah, it's nice to have you. a bit of time. Yep, nice to have you back. Uh, I understand there's uh, now a political title uh, that also is hanging from your door. What is that? Yes, I'm now the Upper Darby Township Council at large. Uh, Laura Wentz, along with Barbara Ann Keffer, who we both got, she just got reelected in 2017, and I got elected in 2017. Congrats so. to you, awesome. nice work. congratulations, congratulations by you. And Thank we'll, you. Uh, that means your days are longer and your nights are shorter. So good job. Right, it's a part-time job, but yet it feels like it's kind of a full-time job. So. All right, good stuff. We're going to jump right into it. We've got Jay Doc a very meaningful uh, show tonight uh, to come to the Delaware Valley on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Uh, Uh, I don't have to uh, say much uh, in terms of words 
for our listening audience to immediately formulate an opinion when I say the words "Me Too." Yeah, and so in in, in the shadow of the Academy Awards, uh, the Me Too movement uh, is front and center in America, and um, uh, certainly SAG after the Screen Actors Guild of of America, Federation of Television Radio Artists are at the forefront. And so I'm ecstatic to bring on the program Gabrielle Cateris, National President of SAG AFTRA. Uh, Gabrielle, uh, welcome to the show. <laughs> Thank you. I'm it's, really excited to be here, guys. Thanks for having me. Well, it's great to have you. And of course, uh, David White, who is the National Executive Director and Chief Negotiator for SAG After. David, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Very well, happy to be here as well. Well, we appreciate you taking the time out. Um, I know you are in Los Angeles, and, and uh, you know this is a, a, a major topic, and, and certainly uh, you know the timing couldn't be more important. Um, so, uh, if, if you will. Uh, you know, and I'm going to start off because we're, you know, we're, we're on the phone. Uh, I'm going to start off with Gabrielle. Uh, Gabrielle, discuss uh, the terms included in the new SAG after sexual harassment code of conduct. Well, the code of conduct that we have created, and I think David actually would speak best on it, but when what we really created here is um, a pathway for people to see what their rights are, to understand what sexual harassment is, and then to give them the resources of where to go, how to report. Um, but what's more important than the code of conduct, which is great, is that we create it. It lives within the four pillars and the four pillars that have been put together to help support the code of con- conduct and to support our members um, in giving them a way, a path to move actually forward. We're really working on breaking it down with a lot of members. And I think David, who's been such a crucial part of that, should really talk about it. Yeah, David, if you will, please you know, address this and, and let us know, um, you know, where, where this, what this stands for, for the actors. Sure. We wanted to do a number of things with the code of conduct and with the larger framework that Gabrielle's referring to, which we are calling our four pillars of change. The code of conduct is a single document that goes out. It defines harassment to make sure that our members and everyone else uh, understands what harassment is, is able to identify it, understands what the obligation is of an employer. We feel it's very important that people remember it is an employer's obligation to maintain a safe and harassment-free work environment. Mm-hmm. We want to put that onus on employers, and we don't want to let them off the hook. But at the same time, all of us who are employees in any way, have uh, have to. we need to understand what our rights are and what the opportunities are for us to also be obligated to um, protect people, to support them when we can, to report violations, et cetera. So that code was very important, but it lives within a larger framework of making sure that we are delivering very practical advice beyond the code that is specific and relevant and that we are training people and we're doing what we can to expand our own capacity to intervene when necessary and to make sure that people have resources once they experience harassment which can cause trauma for many people because that harassment as we all know sometimes Mm -hmm. leads to assault and things of that nature so david let me ask you to clarify uh if you will the question of understanding what harassment actually is Mm -hmm. or means um do you feel as though um people don't understand the definition of it some people don't I, well, they definitely don't. Uh, that's been. That's been I, I agree. No, no, please go ahead. 
No, I, the, the, one of the biggest issues that come up has come up for us is really when we've been speaking to our members and people even outside of our membership, they don't know what harassment is. One of the key things when I spoke about the four pillars, um, one of them is really about education, that people need to know, and that's the Code of Conduct helps with that. They need to know what their rights are, and they need to also know what it means. When I've spoken, for instance, to some of the people from the Me Too, like you're saying, or Time's Up, uh, members, they'll say, uh, you know, things happened to me, and I, I, though I felt uncomfortable and it was terrible, I had no right, I had no knowledge that it was illegal, or that I, I had rights and I could speak up about it. So if we can educate um, our members, then what's, it's going to empower them to have voice to uh, speak up. Now, when you're when you're you're talking about the SAG after membership, give us an mm-hmm. idea of of the, the 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 wide array of members that you represent. Sound recording artists. Yeah, go on, dude. That's right. Uh, We have 160,000 members worldwide, and they work uh, in four major categories of work. They're performers, which means actors and stunt performers and dancers and, uh, and folks who are in front of the screen and behind a microphone. They are recording artists and singers, all their mm-hmm. favorite people who you hear on the radio. They are mm-hmm. broadcast news journalists, and they are the people that you see in commercials, whether that commercial's on television or it's on a Facebook ad. Uh, and then we've got people in video games and all of it. So anyone basically in front of a camera or behind a microphone who is a professional, they are either in our family or they should be in our professional family working under our contracts. David, let me ask you this, and then Gabrielle, you could weigh in if you have a thought on it. Uh, did the recent awards help? or hurt the movement? Uh, I'll be interested to hear what Gabrielle says. Uh, I, I think the award show helped to put a spotlight on an issue, and it provided a forum for people to know that media around the world were going to be asking questions about it, and that puts everyone else on notice that they need to be advancing the ball on the issue of confronting harassment and creating better equity in the workplace. Gabrielle, what do you think? I think that it, absolutely it helped. I also think that um, in the beginning, uh, when we started having the awards, it started to feel like it was just a woman's issue. So I think there was there was potential. Um, it was very helpful in getting the, the the issue out there and making it front and center and people speaking on it. But I think as the award season went on, we started to see more breath and understand that it was more than just about the uh, industry. And it was more than just about women, even though it's a high propensity towards women being sexually um, assaulted. I think that as the season went on, we started to actually um, see the bigger picture and understand that it was about the not just our industry, but the labor movement as a whole. And in that, I think then we really started, I think we ended up with a really healthy, healthy message that went out. It's Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Uh, Gabri- uh, Gabrielle Carteris uh, is on the line with us. She's the national president of the Screen Actors Guild. And also uh, David White is joining us. Laura Wentz is sitting in studio with us. Laura, I know you wanted to weigh in. I'll give you the opportunity before we get to the break. Yes, I just wanted to point out, I'm from IATSE, the stagehand union I, uh, in Philadelphia and so forth. And I agree, educate 
educating our members on what sexual harassment is is essential because we do encounter it every single day when you're I'm a woman of the trades on the aspect of there are very few women in my union uh, and we run into it every day and in many situations uh, it when when you encounter that it and you do if you do take it to your leadership if your leadership is all male then they don't want the perpetrator to have a bad record or they talk you out of actually making a formal report uh and that happened to me in two different occasions and as a result those gentlemen never learned why i was so rude to them because they never got the actual charges brought against them and so yes the hashtag me too and times up is essential essential that that everyone's educating their members and i thank you all for the work that you're doing because you you help to bring this issue to light where where it affects every industry and every woman and every man that has been harassed mm -hmm. as well so thank you for well, all that you're doing Thank you. I, I think it's interesting you called them gentlemen after, you know, I, I think we should save that word definitely. Yes. When you're saying you I was trying rap. to be PC. I, yeah, I know you're really good. I think that um, I think it's important what what Laura's saying in a way, not all moments are Harvey Weinstein moments. Right. So mm -hmm. part of that education is being able to talk about the nuance of what it is. It's it is unwelcome contact. It is unwelcome verbal assault, it, harassment comes in a lot of different forms. And so I think there's been, in our industry, there's been a lot of room for, um, you know, mis, you know, bad behavior. There's been a lot of room for it because I think it's been, there, it hasn't been really fully defined face-to-face -face with uh, between men and women, between women and women and men and men. I think that this is a very important conversation. Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Settle in, Delaware Valley. We've got a good conversation for you uh, tonight. Don't forget, top of the hour, Dan Loney will be along. He'll take you in uh, into the night on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. We'll take a commercial break. We'll continue uh, our dialogue with uh, Gabrielle, David, Laura, and J-Doc back in a moment. I have two words to leave with you tonight, ladies and gentlemen. Inclusion Rider. Back here live on Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Still to come on the big show, City Councilwoman at Large Blondell Reynolds Brown uh, will be along in Block 3 today. Uh, we'll have a good conversation with her as well, Jada. Gabrielle, I, I'd like to start with you and, and, and discuss what are some of the actions that can be construed as sexual harassment. Some of the ones that we would understand and some that we might not be aware of. Well, some of the most basic, it's interesting, you know, we, we've seen the extreme in the press, but some of it is just basically that idea of somebody who is, feels physically threatening to you when they're, you know, when you go and you hug somebody without it being wanted. It's basically any kind of physical conduct that's not uh, wanted or desired and or um, verbal where somebody's really saying, you look really hot today or that looks you know, there's appropriate language outside of the workplace and in the workplace. And so it's really, I think that the real rule of thumb would be um, when you're at work, do the work and be respectful to each other and don't get into the that gray matter. That's really, but it's, it's basically, you know, when people are feeling touched, you'll hear about being physically, you know, like, uh, kissing them on the, even on the cheek. Some people are feeling, don't put your body next to my body. How do you, you Gabri know. Gabrielle and, and Laura, I know you want to jump in. How, how do you understand it? If you have a, 
personal <clears throat> relationship or you feel as though you have a relationship enough with an individual to to be comfortable Shh. how far away from the line do you stay because sometimes I, Laura Wentz walked into the studio today and I gave her a hug I haven't seen her in four months did I do anything wrong well you have to ask Laura that <laughs> um, and yeah. I think I think it has to do with you know you you give signals of what's appropriate and what's not appropriate, mm-hmm. right? Um, and and as you're t- you were talking about the things of comments and and so forth, uh, when men tell me to smile, I'm not here on the job to make you feel warm and fuzzy about yourself. I'm here to do a job. Too many men want me to smile to f- make them feel better about themselves. And I have a problem with that. And a lot of women have a problem well, and, with that. And I think that's where the education um, part of it comes in. I think that a lot of times uh, individuals uh, you know, may not be aware that there's a line that they're crossing, uh, specifically because maybe they, they look at sexual harassment like it's a stereotypical thing. Um, and... Uh, but, you, you know, so the education is important. Uh, David, um, I'd like to ask you about re- how to report if somebody is on a job and they're getting harassed. Um, what's the best method of reporting it and what can be the consequences to an individual? Because people may not report things because they think nothing's going to happen. Sure. Uh, some of this relates back to the the previous question that you had. There is a, a, a set of behaviors uh, some of which are easily identifiable and some, and therefore easily intervenable, and some of them are not. So, uh, for example, we have been hearing stories from our members that uh, uh, when there is a nude scene and there's going to be a body double, that the body doubles are asked to just strip naked right there on the set. The star may be given a private room for intimate activity, but the body doubles who are considered... Uh, background, which tend to be viewed as sort of lower in stature on the totem pole within the film set, they're just treated as almost like animals, just like, go ahead and do this while everyone else is walking around eating sandwiches, etc. So an intervention there is not necessarily call the union, because the union is then going to call the producer and say, stop that. You could do that, but that's one of the reasons why it's important to train members on their rights and on how to be um, supportive bystanders and colleagues, because in that instance, someone could pipe up and say, you know, actually, that's inappropriate. I wonder if you would let me just very quickly find a room so that we could have some privacy. So there's some education that goes on there. At the same time, there could be some things that are uh, where the director is simply saying, look, I know that we agreed that you weren't going to have a sex scene here, but we've been thinking about it, and out of the blue, we want you to have a sex scene. And if you don't, then you're going to hold up production, and that would be really bad, and you're going to cost right. us money, et cetera. And there are moments there where it's actually important to call the union and say, this guy is violating the collective bargaining agreement. And at that point, we can take measures all the way up to and including shutting down the production if the producer doesn't get right. So. Lots of different ways to intervene depending on the situation. An interesting. Yeah. Go ahead. I'm sorry, Gabrielle. No, no. I just was going to say it's it's perfect what David's talking about, and I think when he came into the point of when women are, you know, the the stand-ins ask, you know, when they're being asked to take off their clothes, it's about us actually on set being able to support each other sometimes. Just like David said, so if you are going to go in a, a room and you're asked to go in a room, you can always say, I'd like to bring somebody with me. We're trying to give our members and people on the set tools so that they're not put into the situation of being harassed. We want to give them ways to actually prevent that. 
you know, so, so when you're talking about actors and you're talking about the, the movie industry and TV industry, it's a very unique industry and it's very competitive industry. And so it, it doesn't have the same situations where somebody may be working in a, in a workplace. And the reason I say that is this, these individuals are often competing uh, and, 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 and trying to get jobs competing with hundreds and hundreds of individuals. Um, and you hear the stories around the, you know, that, that people get blacklisted and, and, um, certainly there has to be a lot of factors that aren't the same with other workers. Um, do you think that that, you know, interferes often with individuals standing up for themselves? I do. Uh, yeah. If I understand the, the, the question correctly, sure. we were just Gabrielle and I were just, uh, visiting several broadcasters at a broadcast unit on the East coast. And they were talking about how a known uh, very uh, popular um, uh, uh, broadcaster who a lot of people wanted to work with and uh, work for and be mentored by. Sure. And it became known that the individual would expect uh, favors and sometimes sexual favors in order to make the nod to the, um, to the execs that he would be willing to work with uh, young women, and that sort of became the the backstory that they all sort of told each other behind closed doors to protect one another, but it never actually came out. Then when it did come out, the person was fired. So part of the this whole process mm -hmm. is recognizing, yeah, this could actually affect your job, and it's not necessarily someone saying, do this or you won't get a job. It's just sort of creating an atmosphere where everyone knows when the guy says go on a date with them, you need to go on a date with him. And this type of empowerment effort and education that we're doing broadly helps people to realize, I don't actually have to stand for that. I don't have to take that. And that, I do think, will help to improve the environment overall. Gabrielle, do you I, think, do you think we're miles away from reaching a <laughs> reaching a point where where we can get to a level where there where there's a positive result out of this how far away are yeah. we from 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 realizing the change well those are some those are different questions in some ways first of all this has been systemic for centuries right so yeah. in, if we we really need to be able to see that we have to also recognize that there are good men and women out there and we all have to work together to go and change the, you know, the problem that's occurring. And to really, I think that, yes, I think there is going to be change. If we, it's not only us talking about it, which there's a lot of conversation now, and that's important because, you know, I keep saying to people, we're not silent because we're weak. We're weak because we're silent. And so I really believe that um, if, if we continue talking about it and then actually doing certain things, actionable changes, our code of conduct, the four, you know, the four pillars that we're working with, working on legislation, talking and supporting each other. Actually, I believe just by you asking what is sexual harassment and somebody not recognizing, like Laura said, I don't like when somebody says this to me. And if she can verbally say that and somebody can learn from that, yes, I absolutely believe that things are changing as we speak now. Will there be gigantic changes? I think that it will be progressive. And we'll have to stay on top of it, and we'll have to keep communicating. We'll have to keep insisting, and we have to stop being polite about it. I think that, you know, um, not everybody who gives you a hug is being sexually aggressive and it's assault. But you know what? I guess the best point of, um, for me, I'm a very, I'm a big hugger. So I want to be able to come in and hug you. But, you know, even now when I go in, I'll say, is it okay if I give you a hug? Because I want to make sure that I'm checking in with that person. And I guess 
um, that's what we have to do in the workplace. We need to check in with each other. Yes, I agree. And and the more we talk about it and the more we stand up for each other, stand with each other. When you right. when there's someone on the workplace that's having a problem, be their safe person to talk to, give them a safe space and help them through it and stand by their side and help them, you know, in that situation or in any type of situation. That's the one thing that has mm-hmm. happened in the industries that women are pitted against each other. And we need to not be in that situation. We need right. to empower one of each one another to succeed and to to thrive. And the only way we do it is by standing with each other. And as you get your foot through the door, reach back and pull other women through with you. Yes. I think that this is, in the labor movement, there's one thing I think that's really important as we look for this change. We have to be much more inclusive and diverse. We have to put people in power who are not the same people who've been in power forever and ever and ever. We need to have, we need to have the um, inclusivity of all different uh, races, gender, you know, equity, all these things that we've been talking about through the years. All the equity and parity, all these things are very important. And I think as we start to bring people up and we start to have that inclusion and diversity, we will naturally start to see shifts. And it speaks to Laura when she says, you know, we have to raise each other up. Well, somebody's got to be up there so they can help you come up. And 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 uh, Gabrielle talking about the individuals who really started this movement. What what mm-hmm. really who, the individuals that finally came out against, for example, uh, the moguls because that's the big deal. That's the big thing you right. see on the news. Um, you got to look at them like they're heroes. Number one, and 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 number two, they made a difference for so many people yeah. out there who are going mm-hmm. through this every day. They're still making a difference, and I have to say, you know, some of them actually are friends of mine from when I was younger, and I, to see them, the courage in which they're speaking up and stepping forward into this is tremendous. I think that um, it's really important to acknowledge the courage that it took for them to come forward, because in their telling the stories, they've been living in the trauma, right? And so telling that story now and having everybody comment, everybody has an opinion about it, I think it's freeing, but I think it's also frightening. So um, I really, I, I salute them, and I salute everybody who's able to, you know, for everybody who's gone through it, I support anybody who can come forward, really, and help to speak and, you know, speak on this. It's really, it's a tremendous, tremendous uh, thing to do, and um, I think we're all, I know we're all better for it. David, I'll give you, th- we have 30 seconds till we get to the break. I'll give you last word. I just want to say I appreciate the fact you guys are bringing a spotlight on the issue and having us on the show. And I am optimistic that we are on the brink of uh, generating sustained change, not just in the entertainment industry, but beyond. So um, mm-hmm. I, I think we're on the move. And I appreciate you guys taking a minute to to, um, to really look at this and um, having us uh, on the show. Yeah. I want to thank you both for the for the jobs you, you're doing. You, you certainly are taking leadership roles in this, and and certainly a lot of lives are, are going to be changed. And certainly, you know, the entertainment industry is at the forefront, spe- specifically when it comes to uh, publicity and and, and uh, PR, and and so that's where it comes from. So thank thank you, Gabrielle Carteris and David White, for everything that you're doing for people out there today. And thank you, thank, thank you, you so much. Yeah, uh, thank, thank you, you, Laura. It's nice to meet Wonderful, you. Wonderful, Nice to meet you guys. All good you. stuff here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT uh, here in Philadelphia on a Saturday night. And back here live on Saturday Night Live. 
here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHD. Special thanks to Gabrielle Carteris, National President of AFTRA, Screen Actors Guild, American Federation of Television and Radio Artists, and also David White uh, for joining us as well, the Executive Director. Um, sorry, uh, that that conversation ran out of time. A very meaningful oh. conversation filled with just uh, scratching the surface with just some bullet points of real importance, um, but a real good job. Thank you to Gabrielle and to David for joining Absolutely. us. Absolutely. We could have gone another half hour, two hours with that conversation. Easily. And, and and they make such a difference. They're at the forefront of this movement, and it's 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 fantastic to see. Um, so, you know, we're fortunate to have in studio uh, the, 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 the president of Philly Clue and uh, city council, or... or City Council Upper person Darby. at large, Upper Darby, uh, Laura Wentz. Um, Laura, you have some uh, announcements? I do, I do. So in light of our conversation, because uh, this is an issue that is very important to Clue, uh, we've had uh, many situations of women coming to us to uh, to talk to us about sexual harassment they've, that they've encountered on the job and so forth. And so we are having our annual Women Against Abuse fundraiser April 2nd at 5.30 p.m. Uh, at the Workers United Joint Boardroom. You can also find information about it on phillyclue.org or uh, on, on Facebook at Philly Clue. Uh, and our topic of conversation is sexual harassment, hashtag me too, hashtag times up. There are bills that are in Philadelphia and in Harrisburg dealing with sexual harassment and and providing a safe way for workers and staffers to communicate. And uh, Council, Philadelphia Councilwoman Blondell Reynolds-Brown is one of those people that brought bills to, to Philadelphia to change the Home Rule Charter as well as a resolution. And speaking of City Councilwoman at large, Blondell Reynolds-Brown uh, she joins us uh, on the line here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT uh, with an opportunity in a forum, um, Councilwoman, to uh, talk about or reference uh, the bill uh, that Laura talked about. We give you the pulpit and we give you the opportunity. Thanks so much for joining us on a Saturday night. Well, thank you for the invitation and thank you for reaching out to my office. Um, but we joined the, 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 the gazillion of women across the country and men and enlightened men who've been um, terribly disturbed by the havoc of um, published reports of allegations and real-life stories of women who've been sexually abused. And all, as, as a member of the Philadelphia City Council, the question always becomes, and what are you going to do about it? What can we do about it as a legislative body? So last year, in conferring and talking um, uh, at many, many times last summer with my colleagues, uh, the, the notion was conceived, if you will, that l- like a parent cannot hold a child responsible for that which they don't know, and employers cannot hold employees uh, responsible if they're blurred regulations and blurred policies. All of that ultimately speaks to training, education, and information. And so last December, we had hearings that were quite informative and supportive of the notion to put in place, or at least to recommend, that the Philadelphia City, uh, Philadelphia City government, forever going forward, require mandatory sexual harassment training. Um, and I'm pleased to say that this past Thursday, it was that particular bill moved out of City Council with its second reading and final passage. Um, awesome. uh, intentionally, intentionally on the international celebration of women, and so now it goes to the mayor's desk. And I thank you for making this important point that because we are changing the city charter, 
because we are making an amendment to the to the city charter, all of those type of amendments changed to the city code must go before the voters. And so in the upcoming primary election, we're leaning on voters to vote in favor of uh, authorizing the city of Philadelphia to make it mandatory for sexual harassment training. Now, uh, uh, Councilwoman, um, what types of itinerary will be involved in the training, number one? And number two, is there uh, a a way for individuals uh, to report uh, incidents if they feel like they're being uh, sexually harassed? So I can't, I'm not able to speak to content at this hour. It's, it's a little premature in that we first have to, it first has to go on the ballot, it then has to then be approved, and then it moves to the executive side of the ledger, whereby the uh, officers of human resources will be responsible for developing a curriculum and develop a, a training design. Um, but, but currently, uh, there, well, as a result of uh, this measure, the city controller now has a hotline whereby citizens can call in, and I don't know that number, but kudos to the of the city controller, Rebecca Reinhardt, and her staff for just uh, announcing just last week a hotline that citizens can call into to report any incidents of sexual harassment. Yes, it's awesome that, that that was able to move through. And I'm so glad that Philly Glue was able to have Vanessa Fields, our trustee, one of our trustees, to speak at one of the hearings. You sure um, did. And uh, thank you so much to you and all the other women uh, of city council to make that possible because, you know, we need you all to help lead us. It's actually actually overdue. And and the education, we we talked in our previous segment, um, we had a couple national reps from the SAG-AFTRA union and uh, the national president and their council. Um, Do you think that the, the education... Um, you know, will help clear up a lot of uh, misnomers of, of what sexual harassment uh, is and, and the definitions so that people know when they're crossing the line? Absolutely, yes. Education is, is vital. It's essential. It's, um, it's, it should be a requirement. Uh, like everything else, folks need to know what the rules are. They need to know where the boundaries are. They need to know what it looks like. They need to know when they're crossing the lines. And so the only way you can hold people responsible is by making sure they have been well-informed. And with the training, folks will never have uh, have the excuse, if you will, of saying, oh, I didn't know. Yeah, and that's a a big part of the problem. I think a lot of, uh, you know, besides idiots that are out there just, you know, disrespecting people on a daily basis, um, you also have people out there that don't know their, uh, and I'm not sticking up for people, believe me when I say that, but individuals have to know that sexual harassment isn't just stereotypical sexual harassment, that that, that there may be behaviors uh, that they're they're, uh, doing on an everyday basis that offend somebody, and the guidelines and education are the only way to, to, to let them know that's that's the only way and to ensure that we don't miss anyone we're requiring that the sexual harassment training for exempt employees uh, non-exempt employees civil service employees no one gets a pass uh, with this requirement that's awesome that's essential to Count, the success uh, uh, councilwoman um, brown do you do you feel as though <clears throat> This will ultimately make create, a difference. Ultimately, create change. It, it, it will be. It will. It will move the needle for sure. It will move the needle for sure, and it will begin to, I believe, facilitate workplaces that are 
more civil and respectful of of women employees. And quite frankly, transgender uh, employees have suffered um, harassment as well. So while while we think about women intuitively, transgender em- employees, and quite frankly, men are sometimes sexually harassed as well. And so uh, education always is intended to to get rid of the blurred line. Now, will this legislation, will the goal of it also um, be to, you know, create consequences for individuals that are doing things like this? Repeat what you said. Talk about consequences for perpetrators. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Once once we've been approved by the voters, then it will be uh, the... uh, duty of the Office of Human Resources to put in place consequences that are commensurate with the um, misconduct. And I just want to, I found the uh, f- the phone number you referenced for a sexual misconduct uh, phone line uh, launched by this empl- for the employees of Philadelphia. You can call 215-988-8024, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. That is yep. 215-988-8024. If you ever encounter sexual harassment on the job as an employee of the city of Philadelphia, that is the number you call to you know to get help um, that is correct city councilwoman at large blondell reynolds brown changing the lives of so many people she knows and so many people she may never know thank you so much uh councilwoman for coming on the broadcast well thank you again for reaching out to my office it's it's um it's an important message that we need to make clear to our citizens and to your listeners that that time is up and also to come out and vote on on uh, May 15th and vote That's yes right. for the ballot question as far as the sexual harassment policy to approve it. That is correct. That's correct. Thank you so much, Councilwoman. All right. All good stuff. Good conversation. Good dialogue filled with important details uh, tonight. Again, uh, Laura, that phone number, if you have it, we can give it when we come back after the break on Talk Radio 1210 uh, WPHT Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor. Rolls on. And back here live on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Again, that reminder, the Philadelphia Coalition of Labor Union Women, their annual benefit for women against abuse, uh, is on the calendar for Monday, April 2nd. Uh, The start time is 530 uh, at the Workers United Joint Boardroom, which is 20. to South 22nd Street uh, on the second floor. So that's Monday, uh, April 2nd. Laura, let me come to you. I want you to give that number out again that we gave before going into the break. So the number for anyone, any employee of the city of Philadelphia who encounters sexual uh, harassment or sexual misconduct, conduct, the phone number to call is 215-988-988. 8024. You can call 24 hours a day, seven days a week. That is 215-988-8024. So as we continue the the conversation and discussion about the Me Too movement, the the Me Too movement here in America, let's talk about Philadelphia. I'm ecstatic to bring into the program Barbara Rocky, the executive director of Philipposh. Barbara, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, So... I just want to ask you directly, uh, you tell us a little bit about the Me Too movement in Philadelphia and the hospitality industry that Philipposh is a part of. Yeah, well, about a year ago, a group of different organizations uh, who all came to the topic from different places uh, started meeting to specifically address 
the uh, just unbelievable problem of sexual harassment um, and and sexual assault, because the one often leads to the other, in the uh, restaurant industry in Philadelphia. Uh, Philipash was involved. We'd been doing workplace violence, including... Uh, uh, sexual harassment training for youth workers in Philadelphia, community legal services, which had represented many, many people who were the victims of sexual harassment. Rock, uh, Pennsylvania Rock, the Restaurant Opportunity Center that's focused on the restaurant industry and in 2012 did a, 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 a significant survey that, uh, where people they surveyed self-admitted, 34% self-admitted they were victims of sexual harassment. The numbers are actually probably higher. The, the Philadelphia Commission on Human Relations, um, which also, of course, had been connected to this issue and also women organized against rape, Roar, who, uh, you know, counsel, um, victims of sexual assault and had a lot of experience. So, as I said about a year ago, started meeting to figure out collectively what we could do to begin to address and significantly impact um, this uh, crazy problem. Um, EEOC records have shown like 37% of all uh, complaints they get for sexual harassment come from restaurant workers. Um, Barbara, so give, it, give us a couple of the things that you that you were able to do. I don't want to run it. I don't want to run out of time. I'm, oh, sure. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, but I just wanted to say that this is a unique project in that so many different groups have come together, and there's sort of three focuses on it specifically. One is most restaurant owners do not even have a sexual harassment policy. So one is outreach to uh, owners in the industry, offering them assistance in developing robust policy that can be effective, helping them figure out how to implement the policy. Secondly, to provide free training to management and the workers at that particular restaurant on sexual harassment, how the policy is going to work and uh, how workers can begin to understand the difference between flirting versus sexual harassment so that they're clear and for employers to understand their legal obligation if they don't back up a worker who's uh, the victim of sexual harassment that they stand to actually be sued as a result of it. And then finally, the most novel part is getting training restaurant workers themselves to become peer leader trainers, organizers, both doing outreach in the community, outreach to their industry, and actually conducting, co-conducting the training of the restaurant workers themselves Barbara, on the topic. Barbara, yeah. do, so, own, do, uh, do, do the owners of the restaurants get it? Well, we're just, you know, this is just now launching. I mean, there's a lot of background work we've done on it. The outreach has just begun. Last week, we did our first training with one restaurant owner um, who had no policy, instinctively knew they needed to do something about it, understood that it will benefit the company, protecting them from possible lawsuits, helping uh, curtail turnover, helping employee morale. And we did our first trial training last week. The owners are anxious to now um, 
they had an initial policy developed, and we'll be using, begin to use those testimonials uh, to reach out to other restaurant owners. So it's uh, it's uh, right in the beginning stages of actualizing the project. Um, we've also now set up a web page. Uh, the coalition's called Crush, Coalition for Restaurant Safety and Health, and there's a web page that people can get information on, um, request more information or assistance, et cetera. And it's rolling out as we speak. Barbara Rocky, the executive director of Philipposh Law, I know you wanted to weigh in. Uh, good work. That's where the rubber meets the road. The first example that Barbara just talked about, um, actually doing it, getting out there, the owner realizing it and making something happen. Yeah, that is essential. I mean, as she pointed out, restaurant uh, servers uh, are always, I mean, there's so many movies about sexual harassment in the in the restaurant business. Sure. And it's not um, just about the employers getting, it's about the, the customers the also. The customers, you know, hitting, smacking a woman on her butt and, you know, making comments and so forth. So it is essential that, uh, that Barbara and the others that are working on this project to make sure that restaurant workers are protected. Uh, well, good, good and, work. and, and also say being tipped workers, yes, it makes it all the more difficult because they rely on the tips. And if they're being sexually harassed, do they confront? They need a policy. So it's not on them where they go home that night with no pay because they stood up to the sexual harassers. The employers have to step up on this, too. Barbara Rocky, the executive director of Philipposh, closing out our show here on a Saturday night on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Thank you, Barbara, very much uh, for joining us and for weighing in uh, on the program. We we have about 35 seconds until I have to say goodbye. Laura, I'm going to give you 25 of the 35 seconds, and then, J-Doc, I'll come to you. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. It's great being here. Just want to remind everything, everyone that Philly Clue is doing the Women Against Abuse fundraiser. Uh, women Against Abuse is the only union shelter in Philadelphia, and they only accept women, children, domestic violence. So please check out org for more information. And, thank you so much. And nice to have you back in the studio. No, I just want to thank everybody. I want to thank Laura Wentz. I want to thank Gabrielle and David, and of course, uh, Barbara Rocky and, and, and uh, Councilwoman Pondell Reynolds-Brown for the, for the work that they're doing in the community and making a difference in the lives of so many people. We hope over the last 60 minutes here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHD. We made a difference on a Saturday night in Philadelphia. That's going to do it for the big show here on a Saturday. Next Saturday night, the President's Hour with Pat Eiding. Right back here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. For Laura Wentz in the studio, for J-Doc, I'm Joe Krause. We'll see you next time, everybody. This program is a paid commercial announcement and in no way represents the views of WPHT or its management.